Welcome to studentofthebible.com. I'm your host, Renee, and I'm a Bible student. I'm glad you are, too. Thank you so much for joining. Pray for discernment and ask God to show you how you can share this information with others and be a blessing. Welcome to my podcast on the Samaritans. I'd like to give a shout out to my husband, Jeff, and my youngest son, Hunter, for suggesting this topic. Today, I'll be quoting from a number of sources, including the website gotquestions.org and biblestudytools.org. Where in the Bible have you heard about Samaritans? There's a few stories in the New Testament that mention people from this area. Can you think of the examples? The most well-known, perhaps, is the story of the Good Samaritan, told in Luke 10. Another story that might come to mind is the story of the woman at the well. She was also a Samaritan, and her story is told in John chapter 4. Or perhaps the story of the ten lepers who are healed by Jesus, but only one thanks Jesus, and that's a Samaritan. That's told in Luke 17. But we actually hear about Samaritans first in the Old Testament, Of the 29 verses about Samaritans, over half are in the Old Testament. In this podcast, we'll take a look at the long history between the people of Israel and the people to the north known as the Samaritans. We'll try to uncover why there was such dislike and mistrust between these people groups. And I think once you understand this, it will in turn shed more light on the real significance of the stories of Jesus in Samaria and the parable he told about the good Samaritan. Our story actually starts back during the days of King Solomon, his reign from 970 to 931 BC. Now you might not know this, but during King Solomon's reign, there was relative peace in Israel. Sadly though, After Solomon's death, there was trouble in paradise. His son, Rehoboam, acted unwisely. And around 930 BC, Israel literally split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom became known as Israel. And the southern kingdom became known as Judah. Now, the southern region of Judah... Well, it only consisted of two tribes, Benjamin and Judah. Jerusalem was their capital. The northern region, called Israel, was comprised of the remaining ten tribes. Their capital was Samaria. Now, the land covered by this northern territory called Israel was way larger than Judah and also more financially prosperous than Judah. But they also had their problems. They had a hard time following God and made many idols and fell away from their faith. They were all Jews, and so they were expected to go to the temple in Jerusalem to worship God. But the people to the north had a really bad run of some really bad kings who made some really bad decisions. Despite many prophets of God who warned that if they didn't turn back to God, things would not go well for them, they persisted in ignoring God. The temple where they were to worship was many miles away in Jerusalem, and 
Rather than making pilgrimages there to worship God, they made their own idols instead. Note to self, this is never a good idea. It flies in defiance of the very first commandment, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. So, in 722 BC, this area was conquered by the Assyrians and ceased existing as a kingdom. So this area to the north called Israel and its capital Samaria is wiped out by the Assyrians. The Assyrians, who were they? Well, they were a really powerful group of people from the area that we'll call like the biblical Middle East. They conquered an area that's now Iraq, Syria, Jordan, Lebanon. And then in the 7th century BC, they occupied and controlled this area in the north on the eastern shores of the Mediterranean Sea. Now, the capital of Assyria is Nineveh probably familiar with that place. It's one of the greatest cities of ancient times. So the Assyrians for quite a while were a serious threat to northern Israel. And in the mid-700s BC, they invade Israel, take the northern kingdom people into exile. Now this story is actually told in the book of 2 Kings. Well, a little while later, the Assyrians come back and they besiege the capital of Samaria. Now, when the ten tribes were carried away into captivity, uh, the king of Assyria sent some people from some other regions, kind of like his rejects. Um, so they were people from an area called Kutha, Ava, Hamath, Saharavaim, to inhabit Samaria. So, there's still some Jews left. They didn't take everybody. So, the Jews who remained intermarried with these foreigners who were brought there by the Assyrians. Are you starting to get the picture? These Jewish people who remained in the land intermarried with foreigners, so they basically became kind of half Jewish, half Gentile. And then this group became known as Samaritans, named after their previous capital of Samaria. So now fast forward about 150 years to around 587 BC. Well, now it's the southern kingdom's turn to uh, be captured by this time the Babylonians, and the Temple of Jerusalem is destroyed. They spent about 70 years in captivity, and then the people of Judah were allowed to return to the southern kingdom, so basically they could rebuild. Now, this is where the Samaritans are first mentioned in the Bible in the books of Ezra. And Nehemiah. Upon returning from captivity, basically everyone needs to work together to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, its walls, and most importantly, to rebuild that temple of God. Well, the Samaritans are not on board. They had expanded their numbers and actually had moved south into the land of Judah while their fellow Jews were held in captivity in Babylon. So, quite honestly, the Samaritans were happy as clams in their new digs. However, when the people of Judah started returning, well, the Samaritans became concerned about their turf, and they didn't welcome back these tribes of Benjamin and Judah with open arms. Therefore, the Samaritans opposed the construction of the temple, and they really wanted to cause problems for Nehemiah and the workers. 
interestingly, the Samaritans initially said, oh, they wanted to help rebuild the temple because they said they too wanted to worship God. But this wasn't true. They did have an ulterior motive, and that was to slow down or stop the progress altogether. The Samaritans had viewed Yahweh God as just one of many gods at this point because they were still idol worshipers. Well, for the people of Judah, that was a huge concern because, look, they had just returned after 70 years in captivity because of idol worship. God had punished both the northern and the southern kingdoms for this very reason. So this is the beginning of a long-lasting feud and downright hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. Let's take a look in the Bible at the book of Ezra. Now this is in the Old Testament, right after 2 Chronicles. Ezra chapter 4 talks about what happened during the rebuilding of the temple and the ruse that the Samaritans attempted. Ezra chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, Hey, let us help you build because like you we seek your god and have been sacrificing to him since the time of esherhaddon king of assyria brought us here but zerubbabel joshua and the rest of the heads of the families of israel answered you have no part with us in building a temple to our god we alone will build it for the lord the god of israel as king cyrus the king of persia commanded us Then the peoples around them set to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Now, just a little bit later, Ezra then writes that the Samaritans, not to be outdone, wrote a letter to King Asaxerxes, warning him about what the Jews were attempting to do in Jerusalem. Listen to this. This is Ezra chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. The king should know that the people who came up to us from you have gone to Jerusalem and are rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. They're restoring the walls and repairing the foundations. Furthermore, the king should know that if this city is built and its walls are restored, no more taxes, tribute, or duty will be paid. And eventually, the royal revenues will suffer. Now, since we're under obligation to the palace and it's not proper for us to see the king dishonored, we're sending this message to inform the king so that a search may be made in the archives of your predecessors. In these records, you will find that this is a rebellious city, troublesome to kings and providences, a place with a long history of sedition, troublesome to kings and provinces, a place with a long history of sedition. That is why this city was destroyed. We inform the king that if this city is built and its walls are restored, you will be left with nothing in trans-Euphrates. 
The result of this letter was the temple rebuild was halted for 18 years. Okay, so there's a little ancient history there. But doesn't time heal all wounds? Why were they still so disliked 500 years later during the time of Jesus? Well, as we said, uh, the Samaritans had sort of a hybrid faith of Judaism and paganism. They had actually established their own center of worship on Mount Gerizim, which is about 30 miles north of Jerusalem. They stated that this mountain was where Moses had originally intended for all the Jews to worship. The Samaritans also created their own Pentateuch. Now, the Pentateuch are the first five books of the Bible attributed to Moses. Well, what they did was they took these books, but then they added some Jewish traditions and books written by some other prophets, and they in turn then ignored the rest of the Old Testament. According to gotquestions.org, the Samaritans saw themselves as the true descendants of Israel, and therefore the preservers of the true religion. Jerusalem, according to the Samaritans, was not a legitimate place of worship, nor were the Levite priests legitimate priests. Samaria also, and this is so bad, became a place of refuge for all of the outlaws of Judea. Joshua actually talks about this in Joshua 20, verses 6 through 7. He says, The Samaritans willingly received Jewish criminals and refugees from justice. The violators of the Jewish laws and those who had been excommunicated found safety for themselves in Samaria. So you can see how this just added fuel to the fire and flamed that hatred which existed between the two nations. So let's look at the New Testament and Jesus's interaction with the Samaritans. We've learned that from the time of the fall of the rebellious northern kingdom to becoming a mixed idolatrous religion to a people hated by the Jews, the Samaritans have a rocky history, right? Well, according to John, the gospel writer, the Jews regarded the Samaritans as the worst of the human race. Yeah, John said that in chapter 8, verse 48. So therefore, they had no dealings with them. So I think you're now starting to get a true picture of just what a big deal it was for Jesus to interact with Samaritans. But in spite of the hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans, Jesus broke down the barriers between them, preaching the gospel of peace to the Samaritans. And you'll see in a moment that the apostles later followed Jesus's example. The Bible tells us that wherever he went, Jesus interacted with the poor and the outcast, whether he was healing lepers or eating with tax collectors or speaking to Samaritans. Jesus constantly demonstrated care for those the world had rejected, and he constantly showed he didn't care what the religious people thought of him. Jesus showed that gospel is for everyone. In fact, he said in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Jesus taught, love your enemy. 
In the Gospel of John, Jesus asked for a drink of water from a woman in Samaria. She's astonished that he would do this, asking him, how is it that you would chew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? To make the point clear for his readers, John then adds this commentary, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Well, now that you know a bit more history, you're better able to really understand that's exactly true. And how amazed this woman was that Jesus actually was speaking to her. Now, the most recognized Samaritan in the Bible is the one described in Jesus's parable called the Good Samaritan. That's in Luke chapter 10. What happens is that this Jewish legal expert put Jesus to the test and he says, okay, this uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Specifically define the word neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Well, I love the way Jesus responds. I'm going to quote BibleStudyTools.org to describe what happened. This is when Jesus tells his parable of a man in need, portraying the Samaritan as the hero in the story. Well, in the lawyer's eyes, the Samaritan was the least likely candidate to act lovingly and compassionately to his neighbor. So, as intended, the story shocked Christ's audience of prejudiced Jews. The Lord showed authentic love has to transcend human boundaries of race, religion, nationality, economic class, educational status. Jesus lived into that. Now, before Jesus ascends into heaven, he gives this command to his apostles. And this is in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And he says, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Notice how he slips in Samaria. What Jesus asked then was fulfilled. Samaria became an early converted mission field. Luke tells us that in Acts chapter 8 verses 4 through 8 that Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Acts chapter 8 verses 4 through 8. Going to end with another quote from BibleStudyTools.org. The Lord took pains to ensure the unity of the early church. Jesus had commanded the gospel to be preached in Samaria. Philip the evangelist obeyed that command and God blessed them. Whatever animosity existed between the Jews and the Samaritans was overcome by the unity of the Spirit. The church today should continue to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That's Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3. The history of Samaria reminds us that no matter who you are or where you came from, what you've done, who you've hurt, or how you've messed up, there is good news 
through Jesus Christ. Now go and be a blessing.